Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week, we are studying John's letter to Thyatira. It's a challenging word, and it's worth doing the work to dig into it so we can learn what Jesus is telling the church. My name is Chris Godfordson, and it's my pleasure to be the campus pastor for Centerpoint Church here in Sioux Center, Iowa. And, uh, burr. <laughs> yeah, burr. I wasn't ready. But I'm also telling myself I might have a good attitude this winter. How about that? Who's going to hold me accountable? I know some. <laughs> I know there are some. Um, I just want to welcome you to worship. And this, if this is your first time with us, uh, we're really glad that you chose to hang out with us today. And um, if you're worshiping with us online or Channel 77, a, a special welcome to you. So, like, there's a level of intentionality to log in or to turn on the TV and to worship. So um, it's a pleasure to be able to worship with you too. I have a couple of announcements that I want to share with you before we turn to the Word of the Lord. Uh, the first is this. Um, after worship today, uh, we are having a tailgate party. We're going to raise a little money uh, for our students who will be going on future ministry trips as well as uh, Rocky Mountain Highs that happen in the future. So we want you to do three things. Be sure to stay. Like, we're going to flip the space as quick as we can out here in the lobby, set tables and chairs, uh, and then serve you um, a, a, some good, uh, like, ball game food. So, eat well. That's the first thing. Give generously because uh, we need to raise some money for these kids to be able to do the things. And then three, like, stick around for a bad football game. <laughs> like, last week... Um, the Lions brought themselves back. They opened the NFC North back up a little bit, and they came back to the pack, who I'm assuming is going to boat race the Vikings today. And uh, you're welcome. If you know, you know. <laughs> Secondly, the other announcement that I have is Discover Centerpoint um, is, is a way that we introduce ourselves to the church that we help you understand the things that we are about, knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. And we want to invite everybody to participate in this. If you have been through it once or twice or 17 times, that's impossible because we haven't done it that many times. But we would love to have you um, be a repeat offender uh, and to uh, invite your friends. Invite your friends. So Discover Centerpoint will begin again next Sunday after worship. Um, we will also have, um, so it's a three-week course. And, and then uh, I think it's December 5 or thereabouts, sometime early in December, um, we will also have um, a, a uh, one-night Discover Centerpoint option for you. So you don't have to do it in three weeks. You can do it in one fell swoop. So um, those are the announcements, and we would love to have you participate and engage with us in these things. So here we go. It's time um, for the message, and I would invite you um, to pray with me if you would. 
God, you know that I keep asking you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, and, and that the, I pray also that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened in order that we know the hope to which you have called us, the glorious riches of the inheritance in your saints, and that incomparably great power for us who believe. Because it's that power, that same mighty strength you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead that will give us and grant us wisdom and revelation. May it be so. Would your word be our rule? Your spirit, would you teach us? And the glory of Jesus be our single concern. Amen. So, um, if, if you've been with us, you know that we've been hanging out in the book of Revelation. Uh, we, we are looking at these seven letters to the seven ancient churches. And uh, the, the letters were for those churches, and the letters are for us. Um, and what we've, our contention has been is that these are love letters. These are love letters that Jesus uh, commissions a guy named John to write to the church, and we call our series Dear Church. So this, this guy named John was exiled to the island of Patmos because he was uh, announcing and demonstrating the kingdom of God. He was announcing and demonstrating the gospel of Jesus Christ because he couldn't not do it. He couldn't, he, and he wouldn't stop talking and stop proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he knew Jesus intimately. You know, if you pay attention when you read the scriptures, it's Peter, James, and this John. This John knew Jesus intimately. He was always around Jesus when Jesus was conducting ministry and when he was walking the earth. And, and I'm, I just am convinced that, that John knew Jesus' heartbeat. He knew him personally. He knew him intimately. Um, at the table on the night that Judas betrayed him, uh, he was leaning back, reclining against Jesus' chest, and he could feel Jesus' heartbeat. I wonder what that would have been like, to be that intimately connected to, to feel Jesus' heartbeat. To, to know it to that extent. And I wonder if you have ever thought about this phrase and, and how powerful it is, how deep God's love for you is. In the most often recited scripture that we ever um, probably have ever heard, if, if you watched football games in the 70s and the 80s, um, you would sing John 3.16 with some rainbow-colored hair dude holding up a sign, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world. God still loves this world, and God loves you, and God loves me. Do you, do you feel that? Do you, do you grasp the depth of God's love for you? You see, I have this deeply held conviction that, that God's desire is that this world would be whole, and that it would be complete, that it would be everything that it was designed and created to be. And, and I think that these love letters— are, are Jesus' way of communicating to John to communicate to the church, the church in Thyatira today, 
um, and to us in ways that help us understand how deeply we are loved and how deeply God loves the church. Now, I'll admit, these letters are a bit terse. They're a little um, to the point. Um, And I don't mind that. I'm a kind of a to the point kind of guy. But for some of us, it might be a little harder to hear. You see, this letter to, was, was perhaps the longest one to the church in Thyatira, even though Thyatira was the smallest of all of the communities in which Jesus was writing these ancient letters. I think it's the longest, perhaps, because the most egregious of all the offenses was happening here. So if you're new to the Bible, Revelation is clear to the back, so open your Bibles now if you'd like and throw it all the way back to the last book in the New Testament. So if you want to open your Bible or preferred electronic device, you can find Revelation back there. And we'll get there in just a second. So uh, we started this series a couple of weeks ago, and, and as we did, we started with the, with the letter to the church in Sardis, and um, John wrote these words like, I know your deeds, and he said, but you are dead. So he, he started with critique, and then he offered some commands to the church, and, and then he made a commitment to them. And the commitment was, in our invitation and challenge, was to remember, to repent, and then to respond to Jesus' invitation to us. And then last week, in the, as we went through the church, uh, the letter to the church in Ephesus, we heard about Jesus' approval of the things that the church was doing, but then he accused them of forgetting their first love. And so then he admonished them. And, and, and our invitation and challenge, again, was this idea of remembering, repenting, but then retracing our steps so that we can remember our first love. Because so often what happens, right, is when, we, when we're doing things and as the church is functioning and it gets overloaded with expectations that get heaped on it by people, um, we're overloaded. And the invitation that Jesus has for us is to say, let's be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God, overwhelmed with the love of God so much that we can't not get into action, and to serve the church. And so today, as we, as we get to this letter to the church in Thyatira, I want you to look for these three things. Um, Jesus commends the church through John. He condemns some behavior, and then he provides counsel to the church. He commends the church he condemns some behavior, and then he offers counsel. So I want to invite you to look with me. We're going to take this in chunks. It's a little bit longer, and we're going to roll just a little bit differently today. So I want you to look with me at verses 18 and 19. You can keep your Bibles open if you like so that you can read along. The words will be on the screen for you as well. Revelation 2, 18 and 19. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service and perseverance, and and that you are now doing more than you did at first. We're going to stop there. 
two verses, we can handle these two. And this is good news, right? This is good news for the church in Thyatira. I wonder how they received the letter. How do you go to the mailbox? Um, and and when, or when you go and you're anticipating a letter, what, what do you do or how do you respond? Do you read the whole thing? Like, do you start at Dear Denise and then read all the way to the bottom and take it all in? Or, or do you skim? Do you just skim the letter or do you do like me? Do you open it up and flip it open and, and get to the very bottom of the letter to see if it's signed? I'm one too many unsigned letters in my past. They cause pain and agony, and I love, love letters. I, uh, mm, uh, I love reading uh, uh, words of affirmation and, and some positivity, but I don't really care for the hate mail, especially when it's not signed. So if, if you want to send me a note, sign it or I won't read it. That's an actual thing. So I wonder if they knew about the things that had happened and the, and the way in which um, John had written to the, letter, to the churches in Ephesus or Smyrna or Pergamon. Those churches received um, letters, at least in the scriptures, before this church did. Thyatira receives this word, and, and, and Jesus says, hey, tell the church— I know your deeds, I, I see your love and faith, I see your service and perseverance, and that you're doing more than you did before, which is pretty great. We, we've, been, we've been using a tool in, in a, a missiological and an ecclesiological understanding of the church over the course of our series, and, and we're going to continue to do that. And I just want you to see this, like when the church in Thyatira started, um, the, there was some excitement, but, but they went a little slower, it sounds than some of the other congregations did. So healthy churches start slow, they get some momentum growth, they start to strategize, they get up here, there's some sustained growth, but the slippery slope can lead to maintenance, to preservation, um, life support, and ultimately to death. Churches that are, that are doing this, that are, that are healthy and vibrant and are, are moving the way that Jesus would have the church move are, are doing some things that are necessary. They're, they're multiplying believers. More people are coming to faith in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They're, they're then discipling other people to make disciples. So they're multiplying disciples, they multiply leaders, and then they multiply ministries, and, and then other churches are started. And, and then when they get here and they get to the top of the curve and they feel themselves starting to teeter, now we have choices to make. And, and so this letter is, is saying really clearly to the church in Thyatira, you're going to go here really fast if you don't uh, pay attention to the things that you're doing. So, so Jesus has commended them. I see you. I see you're doing the things. And you're even doing more than you did before. Way to go. The, the sisters and, and brothers in Christ in Thyatira are, are carrying out the work. And it's pretty beautiful. I see your love and faith. I see your service and perseverance. You're doing it. But... They're also doing a bunch of other things. And, and this is where Jesus condemns behavior. Because they're adding on all kinds of other things. Like they are doing the love and the faith and the service and the persevering. But everything goes 
for the church in Thyatira. Everything doesn't go with the church of Jesus Christ. I just want to be really clear about that. Not everything goes, but in Thyatira, what Jesus saw happening wasn't exactly living out the gospel. So he condemns their behavior. Look with me at the next chunk of of Scripture here, verses 20 through 24. Jesus tells John to write, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. And I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Yikes, right? What does all that mean? I want to try to help us understand it a little bit. It's a super challenging text. I mean, we sat around the table on Monday afternoon, like, what do we say? And how do we proclaim this message? We've been thinking about it for weeks. And my, oh, um, Jamie, you want to try? He's next Sunday. He got the good passage. But this is, this is a challenging word, church. So I want to try to help you understand a few things. Let's look at Jezebel. Jezebel was one of the great villains in the Old Testament. She was a heathen woman. She was guilty of whoredom. She was guilty of witchcraft. Um, She was married to King Ahab. She was a daughter of a Baal priest. Um, And she was guilty of all the things. She promoted worshiping Baal. She promoted idolatry and witchcraft and priestcraft and all the crafts that weren't leading up to uh, living as Jesus would have the people live. She um, was a heathen. And think back with me all the way to the Garden of Eden. So um, what happened in the garden is um, the Adam and Eve are there, and the serpent comes, and he convinces them to eat of the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat of. God said, you can do all of the things, just don't eat of that tree, and you will, everything I have is yours, just don't do that. And so Eve ate, and Adam ate, I said, they both ate, and nothing has been as it should have been since then. It's all been broken, it's, nothing is the way that it should be. Eve gets a bad rap. Adam ate too. And so now we, we have this, we have Jezebel, and so we think maybe it's just this woman that's the problem, and it's the teaching that's the problem. Because Jezebel sold a bill of goods to the church, just like the serpent Satan sold a bill of goods to Adam and Eve all those years ago. And, and where the gospel of Jesus Christ pro- proclaims that this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, Jezebel says, nah, I mean, it's that, but you can do all the other things too. 
all the things, all of the sexually immoral things, all of the greed, all of the envy, all of it, all of it is welcome and perfectly fine. Everything goes. But I want you to grasp this. I think it's in verse 21, 20, 21. Um, when we read sexually, sexual immorality in this text, um, we, we think that that's all that Jesus is taking on a lot of times. But what I want to hold up for you is that sexual immorality um, and, and uh, let's see, the eating of food sacrificed to idols, these things um, are, are more about idolatry, immorality, and compromise. We're compromising the gospel. So anytime you see sexual immorality and idolatry, um, let's just, I mean, let's understand that People were guilty of sexual immorality in the church of Thyatira, but it was way more than that. It wasn't just that. It's all of the things that run counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what are those things in our lives? What are those things in 21st century Sioux Center, Rock Valley, Orange City, Sioux County, Haywarden? What are the things that threaten the church? Because this is what Jezebel wants us to understand. Jezebel wants us to take our focus off of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to just do whatever it is that we want. And I think that's a problem. In, in the time at Thyatira, there were all kinds of trade guilds. So this was a military community, but they were also set up to do a lot of things in terms of um, trade, and, and trade guilds existed. And, and to be a part of the guild, what Jezebel was trying to do is say, okay, you can do this, you know, go to church, and you can be involved in a church, but you also have to do these things. And, and you can do whatever you want, be involved in a trade guild. And what, so what's the big deal about the trade guild, you ask? And, and, and what I want to tell you, what I want you to understand is these trade guilds where, where trade guilds thrived, so did the two great enemies of the gospel, immorality and idolatry. They were present in all of those things. So Jezebel and the teaching is to say, hey, you can do this. You can go to church, you can worship the Lord, and you can keep your job, and you can have all of the things. It's more and more and more as if Jesus Christ and his life, death, resurrection, and ascension isn't enough to save us. Jesus says, die. <laughs> come, come follow me. Do the things I do. Do the things I tell you to do. I'm an, I've announced things to you, and I've demonstrated things to you. Live like I live, not like the world lives. C.S. Lewis said, be little Christs wherever it is that you live and work and play, and this is it. So the church, what the church in Thyatira was doing was tolerating all of the stuff. And our God is holy and just and desires so much more for us. The people in the Old Testament would have known this. These people would have even known that the people of the Old Testament often opened themselves up to God. And they, they, they just said, like, okay, have your way. Take a good, close look at my life, Lord. 
And so they would say things and pray prayers like the one in Psalm 139. Teach me, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know all my thoughts. God's people in the Old Testament were expected to repent of their behavior. They were expected to take a good look and then, and then repent of the wicked ways and make themselves right with God. And so what the people of the Old Testament had to do is they sacrificed animals um, so that they would not be separated from God for all eternity. But with the coming of Jesus, who is the sacrifice, this is the one. He is the one and he is the way. He's the one that we follow and his life is the one that we've been called to live and to pay attention to. Friends, the church's plan A, we've said this over and over again, we'll continue to say it so that um, it might like get deep in us and we start to like understand it and, and live it. The church's plan A and there is no plan B. And Jesus wants this church, the one in Thyatira and Centerpoint Church, to understand that, that he will not, and honestly, we will not tolerate any evil that are add-ons to the gospel. He said this in, in the gospel of Matthew. Jesus himself said, for the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Again, right? But because God is love, and, and God's love for us is so great that he sent Jesus into the world. We are also to love him, to live our lives for him. We are not to be overloaded with the things of the world. We are not to be burdened and we are not to take on all of the, the yokes of slavery that he talked about, the immorality and, and all of the idolatry. Instead, we're supposed to be overwhelmed and, and allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by the love of God in such a way that um, we, we don't think that candidate A, if candidate A is elected, then in candidate B is defeated, that somehow things will be the way they're supposed to be. Or, or we're not supposed to, I mean, we, we don't have to think that if I just make this much more money, and then I will be fine. Um, or that civil religion is the way. It's not. Our, our Constitution and um, the, the Declaration of Independence, these are good things, right? But they don't triumph over the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the scriptures that teach us the way to live. All of the add-ons threaten and they get in our way. Again, it feels a little terse. Right? But Jesus deeply loves us. And he deeply loves the church. And, and because he does, he's willing to say all the things. And if you'll recall, like last week in, in chapter 2 earlier, it said, like, when we, when we aren't doing this, when we've forgotten our first love, uh, Peterson's translation of the scripture said, what is going on with you anyway? What's wrong? How have you lost sight of what it is that, and the way it is that I've called you to live? Let's not allow ourselves, friends, to be overloaded 
with the things of the world where we put on and add on to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This isn't God's desire for us. Instead, let's be overwhelmed by it. Jesus commends the church. He, he commends them for the things that they're doing. He condemns some behavior, right? And, and, and then he gets to the point where um, the immorality and all of that needs to be out of the way. And so he does what he does, and he provides us with some counsel. Jesus counsels the church. As he does so, we have a better, a more thorough understanding of the gospel. And, and as we get to the life, to the top of the life cycle, and as we get up here and we're sustaining some health, what's true um, for us is that as we get there, um, we're going to do whatever we can to multiply believers and, and, and uh, disciples and leaders and then plant churches. And we do not want to slide down that slippery slope. And if we do, if we get here, we're going to go again. Because we do not want to move to death because the letter ultimately is pointing us to the fact that we, the church will die if we don't get the gospel right. He says this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. John 14, 23, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus is going to make his home with us. There's an invitation for us to be at home. Jesus is calling us home. Now, I know that this isn't how we spell home in, when we speak United States, so I want you to Work with me just a little. Look with me at verses 25 through 29. It's in there. Hold on to what you have until I come. The capitalization is mine. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear to what the Spirit says to the churches. Hold on. It's right there. Did you see it? Hold on. Authority and morning star. Jesus is calling us back to the, to the, the true gospel, to the uh, thorough understanding of the gospel, not to immorality, not to idolatry, not to all the things, but home. And, and he makes a promise to us again, just hold on. Hold on to all of the things that you understand about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in essence as Jesus is, is giving us another opportunity. Open your eyes, look, and understand the church is encouraged to, to not add on all the things, to, to get away from the immorality and the idolatry, and to get back to those things that, that God would say are pure, lovely, and admirable, true, noble, and right. It's those things. But, but in our holding on, we, we don't stop 
um, announcing and demonstrating. In, in fact, we do everything we can to announce and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we don't want to allow Jezebel to have her way and to get us off track. We want more people to not live the way of Jezebel and the way of the world, but instead to live the life that Jesus would live if Jesus was living your life and mine. So he says, hold on. And then he says, I will give authority to you. I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them. You won't do this alone. We don't do this alone. We have authority from on high to hold true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have a promise, again, in in Revelation 3, the words are on the screen for you, conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my Father. That's my gift to the conquerors, a seat at home next to Jesus Christ. And so, friends, churches that are at home will either continue to grow up and to to live on this side of the the bell curve and, and to get here and avoid that quick sweeping path to death, or they're going to die. And so again, hold on, have authority, and, and the church will be saved. He says, I also will give that one the morning star. Revelation 22 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Jesus is a bright morning star, and the bright morning star means he is here to save us. He's here to save the church. And when we hold on, and we exercise our authority, and we live our lives, and if, as we serve with the true gospel in mind, we will be saved. It was true in Thyatira, it's true for Center Point Church. The enemy is doing everything it can to convince us that it's, it's Jesus and. Don't listen to Jezebel. Pay attention to what is here. Hold on. You have authority and the morning star. And when you have this morning star, you won't be overloaded any longer. Instead, it will be overwhelming, and it will come up and out of us, and we will love people in ways that bring them into the fold. We will impact our community and our region in ways that are powerful and effective. And people will come to faith in Jesus Christ, and and then they will start to become discipled, and then they will go out into the world, and we will be, um, we, we will not be stopped. And I know it's not easy to hold on. Jesus knew it too. He said, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Hold on. You have authority and the morning star. We have it, church. So it's up to us. We get to choose. Will we choose the way of Jezebel? Or 
will we choose this gospel? Will we accept the gift of love from this letter to the church in Thyatira? Will we make it our own? God, I pray that we would not give in to the idolatrous and immoral um, patterns of the world, but that we would um, like live into this and live out of it. Because the church, you, friends, are plan A. There is no plan B. By standing firm, Jesus said, you will win your souls. This is why, friends, this is why we spend so much time imploring, inviting, challenging, that we continue in knowing Christ and growing together and reaching beyond ourselves so that others might do the same because it's really, really important. It's everything. You will be, and the invitation is to be at home this week. Hold on. You have authority, and the morning star is with you. He will save the church. I do not want to see us die, and neither does Jesus. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what Christ is saying and the Spirit is saying to the churches. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I give you thanks for um, your great love for me. I give you thanks for your great love for us and your great love for the church. You love the church so much that you warn her. You give all kinds of um, declarations and you send letters through people who love you and announce and demonstrate your gospel. Um, and so as we um, effort to announce and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ and Sioux Center and Hayward and, and all the points um, around us and all of the places where we live and work and play, would immorality and idolatry be conquered? Would it be taken on? Would we challenge it as we see it in our brothers and sisters, in our, in our friends and in our families? And um, would we live the kind of life that you lived, Jesus? This is a significant invitation and challenge. And I bless you, God that you invite us to hold on. That you grant us authority and you give us and have given us the morning star, your son, Jesus Christ. Help us, God, to be at home with you um, so that others might be too. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 930.